I'm excited about this episode of BeelerCast. Let's see. I found myself in the world of Game of Thrones. I learned a new term. Something ad tech desperately needs are new terms. We talk about some trends in the publisher world, and we hint at an exciting lineup of things going on this fall. That's right. Summer is over. Crap. It's BeelerCast. It's true. Summer is over, and while it was a good summer, I really wish I had more white claws and clawbacks. You know what I'm saying? All right, sorry about that. I did have some great conversations this summer, but before I dive into that, I do want to address something up front and something, quite honestly, I'm still processing uh, with my therapist and trying to discern all of what it means. Zach from Instacator came out with this Game of Thrones map, which is really amusing and, and fun and having media math as a white walker is quite genius. But then, and then we hit this part. We've got Lord Varys, Rob Beeler, the master of whispers. He knows many secrets about our industry. Speak to him in confidence. Learn the secrets that he knows. So let's unpack that. One, honored to make the map. Varys is a major character until he was burned alive. So that's quite an honor. He was all about the realm and he cared more about the people of the realm than one particular master. And of course, the physical resemblance in every way, it's just absolutely uncanny. Thanks, Zach. It was not a quiet summer. There was a lot going on in the industry and I had a lot of conversations on this podcast and obviously separately on a variety of topics. And I want to highlight some of the things that I thought were important in all of that. One of them really deals with the relationship that publishers have with the rest of the ad tech ecosystem. One of those areas is the risk that we all take on. And I thought I felt Andrew Casale and what he's doing at Index Exchange in terms of the media mass situation and the risks that are involved really captures how we have to move forward. There's risk in all parts of business. There was risk in programmatic before the pandemic. There was risk in programmatic before seismic or, or media math, but responsible risk is good business. And as soon as you veer outside of that, it, it doesn't matter because no, no head of programmatic is going to go to their boss and say, we didn't get paid, but look at that chart. Another top topic for the industry this year was AI. And I got to talk to Tina from SeedTag about ethical AI and why it's important to build that into your solutions. I think with AI in mind, ethical AI is obviously super top of mind and Having a balanced data set with a sufficient number of examples is extremely important when you're training models effectively. CTAG, for example, uh, ethical AI is built in what we're doing because it's in-house. We're not relying on it being developed elsewhere. We're in control of the data that's being collected and labeling it according to very strict internal guidelines. We're using various data samples that cover a wide range of topics, opinions, perspectives to ensure just a very balanced overall input. And there's obviously just continuous data monitoring to make sure that bias doesn't have an opportunity to sneak in and that we're always looking at a very balanced data set overall. Another company that uses AI, but in a very different way, is Browsy. When I spoke to Asaf about a report they had released, he started sharing his thought about floating video ads and the user experience. At Browsy, we specifically try to focus on the display video native 
kind of domain because this is what we usually help publisher with our uh, tool. One very interesting thing that we actually seen in this report is the floating ads on video, which was, you know, a huge thing. It's been a huge thing for some time now, but we know it's a weird format, right? Because it's a video floater ad. It's there on your tiny video, on your tiny iPhone screen. It's going to be there <laughs> on the bottom and you're just reading your whatever article you're reading right now. It's there probably showing content, which is not relevant either to you or for the articles to random you know, you're reading content about music and shows you top 10, I don't know, David Bowie songs, which is great. I love David Bowie, but it's not <laughs> what I'm reading right now. So it is a weird experience. Most of us, I at least hit the, the X button every time that it pops up. Now, on the one hand, it creates revenue, right? It creates 100% viewability or 97% viewability. It's always there. So advertisers love that. And then publishers love it because it creates revenue from the advertisers. But I think that what we're seeing right now is that what's happening with those video ads is that the experience is intrusive. No eyeballs are actually getting there. It's on your screen. It is viewable technically on your screen, but there's no eyeballs looking down there. Nobody does that, right? So we are seeing a trend where publishers are looking for a solution in 2023 to replace that really high yield, very big revenue format that they have on their screen, that floating video trying to replace them with a, a more lucrative or at least as lucrative um, format while not interfering into intrusive, creating an intrusive experience for the users. Um, we're trying to do that for our publishers. It's, it's a very hard job. I don't think that we will ever be able to find that balance because if an advertiser wants 100% viewability, the only thing that can get in that is a sticky floating ad unit on the page. And it's very hard to achieve that while maintaining good user experience. Asaf makes some good points. And this conversation about video classification in stream versus outstream is really heating up right now within the Beeler Tech community. As we all discuss, what is the right thing to do? Phil from STN Video gets it. And what he wants to make sure is that we go about implementing these changes from the IAB wisely. There are publishers out there that don't deliver a great video experience. It fits purely an ad experience, yeah, classify as an outstream. It is an outstream product. But it, when I'm giving you a highly relevant video into an article uh, that fits with it, it's, it's appointment viewing. It's what the, the fan wants, whether you're a fan, you know, you're connecting with news or, or entertainment, sports, whatever you're going on. I think I understand what IAB is trying to do and what the, the buy side is trying to do. But at the end of the day, don't punish the publishers that have done a great job. Like if they've done it, put them in the cart of good apples and let the other, let, let the bad apples or the, you know, the medium apples get better so that, you know, the whole industry shifts, but, but, but reward publishers that have done that and delivering that, that audience and that environment that, that ultimately a, a brand wants to have and should pay for. I also had a chance this summer to catch up with Jake from Audigent to really kind of talk about what publishers should be doing right now as we head into 2024. Absolutely everyone should be in the first party data business from our perspective. I mean, our like unofficial moniker seven years ago was like, own your data, own your future. Um, I mean, we really are believers, just from an insights perspective, you, you should know who your audience is. And to be honest, with a third-party cookie deprecation, those third-party connections are going to give you very limited insight in the future anyway. So I would be of the perspective that even if you're not going to use it for everyday activation, you want to know the scale of your audience. You want to understand endemic and non-endemic insights about them. 
it's it's critical. Your audiences are spending maybe like if you're lucky, five to ten minutes a day in your in your universe, and probably another ten to fifteen hours, depending on who they are, doing a lot of other things on the internet. And so you have to be able to deliver more value than just what's happening in those five minutes. There's just not going to be enough opportunity, uh, either through direct or programmatic, if you're just focused on that one impression that you can possibly get at that one moment they they come by. So first party data is gonna give you that opportunity to have a much broader view of what are your user, users doing on the internet at large, being able to be parts of cohorts and coalitions that can monetize outside of your O&Os. Like even if you decide ultimately that's not the direction you take, it gives you options to give you choices. If you're stuck without that visibility, from our perspective, then you're you're really going to be hampered and, and you're really going to be just wagged by the dog with however the future unfolds, as opposed to being a little bit more of a, a controller of your own destiny. I promise you a new ad tech term. And in fact, I'm going to give you a few. First is one that I've made up myself, or at least I think I have. I haven't heard anyone else yet use it. And maybe someone's already beaten me to the punch. But I keep hearing, and obviously the industry focused right now on made-for-advertising websites or MFAs, what are non-MFAs called? And I started thinking about that and going like, well, an MFU sounds quite honestly aggressive and probably for a Samuel Jackson movie. MFPs just kind of makes me giggle. So right now I'm going with MFHs, made for humans. Though, honestly, I'd rather we just call them Premium publishers? The other terms, I'm going to leave that to Jonathan Shavitz from Growth Code, who I caught up with and I had to stop him just to make sure I understood what he was talking about. Which, by the way, that is a thing you can do, you know. Instead of just shaking your head and agreeing and looking like you understand something, have someone explain that term to you if you don't understand. Of course, I'm listening to myself talk right now. I am kind of feel like I'm sounding bitchy and passive aggressive. You get my point. Jonathan, what was that term again? So yeah, that, that term is bid decoration. It's a term that uh, has been kind of being used more and more, certainly by us and by others. Um, and the basic idea is that with the loss of the third-party cookie, uh, how are we going to kind of target users? And people are using, um, when I say people, demand sources, uh, advertisers, uh, agencies, DSPs, whatever, are using different IDs to try to get additional information about users. So the bid decoration is basically working with publishers to first mint those IDs, meaning we make sure that the ID call is going to the individual ID providers, whether that's ID5 and each of their IDs are unique to that publisher or the Panorama ID where those IDs are more um, kind of generic across publishers. We make sure that those IDs are um, being produced uh, we validate that they kind of match what we expect them to be. And then we take them and we put them into the bid request. So the decoration part is basically hanging each of those different IDs. And right now we're hanging about 23 different IDs into the bid request and making sure then the final piece is, so we've minted them, we've decorated the bid. And the final piece is, did the SSP actually get it in a format that they could read it? So we call that last step bit absorption. And we've been seeing many, many cases in which a publisher says, well, I'm working with uh, six ID companies already and I'm sending them to the 
in, in the bid request and we actually look at what's happening and we find that of those six IDs, only one was actually absorbed by an individual SSP. So there's this kind of big mismatch between the publishers thinking they're already doing it and saying, I'm not getting much uplift. And then the SSP is saying uh, they're not seeing it. Uh, we, we literally just today got a, a report from one of the very largest SSPs to one of the our aggregation partners who has a few thousand sites that said they're getting, except for one ID, they were getting 0% uh, bid absorption. And, you know, we turn this on and we'll be up to probably 70 to 80%. That's kind of our, our goal for most of these IDs. Some of them it's lower, but most of them it's 70 to 80% that we can mint an ID, decorate the bid, and then it gets absorbed by the SSP. Thanks, Jonathan. That was mint. And while I absorb what you said, and I'm thinking about all the holiday decorations I'm about to put up for Q. Oh, my God. I need to be stopped. All right, let's shift gears. Bert Intelligence came out with a report recently. I asked Anat, their VP of product, to give me an overview of the report. Anat. Some of the top trends the report uncovered. First, ad spend growth. 2023 has seen a remarkable increase in ad spend, with a total surge of 52% since the start of the year. Next, we're seeing a rise of programmatic guaranteed, with an exceptional increase of 116%. This indicates a shift towards more assured placements and transparent relationships between advertisers and publishers. Next, we're seeing platform-specific variations. There's a contrasting trend in eCPMs between desktop and mobile platforms, which stress the importance of platform-specific strategies. And last, we're seeing a shift in consumer behavior, Based on industry data, consumers are leaning more towards experiential spending, especially in travel, as opposed to tangible goods. Particularly in sectors like hotels, restaurants, and leisure, there's been a noteworthy surge in revenue and eCPM growth, aligning with the broader shift in consumer preferences. Of those trends, which are the things that really is of interest to you? The rise of programmatic guaranteed so far this year really captured my attention. A surge of 116% isn't just a minor fluctuation. It speaks volumes about the evolving dynamics of the industry. Given the eventual phase-out of the third-party cookie, this trend suggests that advertisers are increasingly valuing transparency, direct audience targeting, and stronger publisher relationships. So are there ways that publishers can jump on this trend right now? Absolutely they are. In light of the ever-changing digital advertising landscape, Publishers are adapting in several key ways. First, prioritizing relationships, which has always been really important in this business. The robust growth in programmatic guaranteed points towards publishers placing a higher emphasis on building more direct, transparent relationships with advertisers. This not only assures quality placements, but also fosters trust. Next, platform optimization. With contrasting eCPM trends on desktop and mobile, Publishers are becoming more nimble, optimizing their content and strategies based on platform-specific nuances. And lastly, data-driven decision-making. With tools like BERT Benchmarks, publishers can tap into insights and see how partners are performing across the BERT data network, in addition to fluctuations with ad type, device, advertiser-specific, and industry. Recently, we have seen a new partner on the scene, RISE, and publishers using BERT benchmarks would have seen this as well and could start their own conversations. By leveraging tools and insights, publishers are better equipped to navigate the intricacies of the programmatic space, ensuring their strategies are not only reactive, but proactive as well. So those were just some of the topics from the summer. 
What about this fall? Well, let me top line it to you, I guess, since I am the Lord of Whispers. The MFA-MFH conversation continues to heat up. Testing of Chrome's privacy sandbox will start really in earnest. Publishers are going to start to organize around things like sustainability. This isn't just a planet for brands, you know. We also have to live here. You'll hear some amazing things coming out of Edinburgh, where at Basecamp, we're not just there for the whiskey, but to discuss how to move the publisher agenda forward and the, and the whiskey. You'll realize that self-serve and automation go hand in hand at Dan Ad's Self-Serve Summit on October 18th. And that brings us to the pre-bid summit. I don't think we'll have a deeper dive into what we need to build to succeed as an industry than that particular day. November brings Navigator on November 2nd. If you thought I packed this podcast with a lot of different voices, you just wait until you see what I do at Navigator. <laughs> and like Game of Thrones, this episode of BeelerCast is coming to a crashing halt. Beeler out. Beeler out.